2: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
3: David.
4: Football. Football David.
2: The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamaschek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damaschek.
5: Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave. Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 164 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available, as always, on iTunes and at NFL.com slash shek. S-H-E-K. Oh, it's an exciting day here in Studio 66. Seated to my immediate right, as always, from NFL.com, Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella?
2: Hey, thanks for having me, boss. But let's let's not waste time on I me. I don't
5: want to waste time either. With the, with no slight <laughs> to you, because no, look no, no. who's seated taken. right across from us here in Studio Sixty Six. One of our very favorites. Mm-hmm. I think I speak for both of us. Absolutely. I it's not hyperbole because I don't want to say you're number one. You didn't say that. You're in the top three. I'm going to just say conservatively, but I'm trying to think of who might even rank ahead of you. From the Pittsburgh Steelers of my, of my and I'm listing my favorite guys is uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, safety great. Ryan Clark, what's the poop with you, fellow?
6: Nothing much, man. Just had an interesting car ride, and mm-hmm. you know, now I'm ready to do this show. Oh, with
5: me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Me That's- and Ryan Clark went out and had a gay old time, driving the streets, talking <laughs> about this, that, and the other. We covered it all. Look for it coming up on NFL.com. And in the meantime, I'm out there with Deshaun Jackson right now, celebrating wow. my birthday. Yeah.
2: I felt bad that I missed that.
5: Well, he was in Philly. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, he plays in Philly, but he, I didn't know this until I got in the car with him. He's from his whole family, from Pittsburgh. He grew up a Steelers fan, Ryan Clark. Kind of cool. I,
6: I didn't know that either. Yeah. Especially by the way he's always trying to beat me deep when we play him. Yeah, that's remind, not cool I, I, of him. Yeah, I remind him of that. Like, this is your Please favorite do, team, dude.
5: Why would you do that? Yeah, take it easy, man. Like, chill out. I, well, I mean, obviously, I agree with you about that. Listen. Yeah, if he
2: was that big of a fan, he would, you know... <laughs> <laughs> kind of take it easy on you. Well,
5: yeah, Ryan Clark. I don't think he sees it that way. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. We have a lot to talk about because 8-8, eight eight, it may be acceptable in some places. It's not acceptable in Pittsburgh, PA. Not for very long. People will deal with it for a season. But it gets to season two or three of that kind of mediocrity. It's not going to be good. So where do we look at 2012? What's the reason for Eight and eight is, is as simple as because it is to me. Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. He was having his best season. If he hadn't gotten hurt, then they the, then you guys uh, go on. You get te- you go ten and six. You beat the Ravens when they pay a visit the Heinz Field, obviously, and that's that. And you go to the playoffs, and they don't.
6: I mean, I think that's a a good way to look at it. And you look at hoping Ben is healthy throughout this season. But even those games, you gotta you have to win. I mean, you think about the inconsistency of we went to Baltimore with check down Charlie Batch. And mm-hmm. I don't say that in a mean, malicious way. but no, that's Not a compliment.
2: The nicest possible way. <laughs> but, the nicest,
6: but the nicest possible way. And we call him that because we do like seven on seven at practice. You know, it's a passing drill. There's no body rushing. There's no pressure on the quarterback. And he'd actually like check the ball down. So defensively, we started calling him check down Charlie Batch.
2: Does he not so, like that?
6: They, he, oh, Charlie doesn't care. He, he lost played. his
5: hearing when he was in his <laughs> 60s.
6: <laughs> Charlie you know, Charlie played for 17 million years. He, he didn't <laughs> care. You can call him what you want as long as you paid him on Monday. Um, but we went to Baltimore with Charlie, and we won the game. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we couldn't win those – like we weren't a good enough team. What it was, we were in every game. We didn't make plays to win the game. We didn't score the touchdowns when we needed to. We didn't stop people from scoring when we needed to do. And I think that's as simple as it can get. Do, you, do we need Ben to win? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. We are ten times better with Ben at quarterback than I would say anyone in NFL because our team is built around things he is very good at doing, and I think a unique skill set for a quarterback. Uh, and when he got hurt, things were different. But, you know, we struggled with Kansas City that night before he was injured. You
5: know? I agree. I mean, to me, the thing is, and I said this throughout the season, in the latter half of the season, Roethlisberger's injury – all of a sudden there was no wiggle room, and that was owed to the fact that you lost at Oakland and Tennessee. Those were the bad losses, no, see, right?
6: That was the problem. Cleveland, walking, too, walking and later there. Walking off in the, the field in Tennessee, I said, we're going to have to answer for this. Mm-hmm. I was like, eventually we're going to have to answer for these losses. It's going to come back, and it did. Because what happens is when you go to Cleveland and it's Charlie Batch's first start of the season and you turn it over eight times and you lose that game, but you beat the Oakland's. In Oakland, You beat Tennessee in Tennessee. You say, oh, you know, we lost this one. Charlie had a rough game. It was his first game starting. But we still can win one game, and we're in the playoffs. We weren't in that position. We were in a position to where there was no wiggle room. You had to win all the games you were supposed to, and we just didn't do it.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Palomalu, too, and his role the last couple of years and for 2013, whether or not he's going to look more like he did in, let's say, Ought 9 or thereabouts. But real quick with Roethlisberger, he's a guy who I, I, it's no secret. I think around the country, people like to make jo- make jokes or they say that, uh, you know, he's a guy who's had some trouble with the Comish with Cadell and so on. What is he like? I mean, I, I really don't. Know. Is he funny? Is I, when you're hanging around the locker rooms, he I'll crack jokes. Does he talk about TV shows? What's he like?
6: What he is is he's he wins everything and he could do anything. We have a softball game in camp. He's the best player along with Troy out there. Hmm. We have a basketball court that we made out of a garbage can. We put a net in it. He wins on there. He's the shuffleboard champion, both singles and doubles, every year. We have a little. Um, Cornhole game, it's a miniature cornhole game. He wins that too, hmm. you know. And he he's involved in all those fun games that everybody on the team. Uh, and he's a good guy. I have a different perspective of Ben because uh, doing one of those dealings with Commissioner Commissioner Goodell when he was suspended. My son had a football game on a Saturday. Obviously, Ben in Pittsburgh, everybody knows him. He can't go anywhere. He took time out of his Saturday while suspended to go watch my son play a football game in which I was at work during. And I couldn't go to. Hmm. So for me, he's good forever. If Ben ever calls on me, if Ben ever needs me, you know, I'm going to be there. Because, you know, if you have children, you understand how important they are to you. And for somebody else to take the time out of out of their schedule, out of their day, knowing he was going to be hounded, knowing he was going to be under, you know, just stressed out for autographs and pictures, he still went. And to me, that means a lot, and it says a lot about a man when he would do something like that.
5: I always say it's a funny thing that uh, with uh, in, in a place like Pittsburgh, it's a it's a city, obviously a big city, but uh, compared to somewhere in Kansas, but you know it's a smaller market, and I always say, I remember going to Kennywood Park, the amusement park in Pittsburgh, and the local weatherman, Joe DiNardo, Uh was giving autographs that day. He was doing, like, they set up a thing for him, and he was doing autographs. The line was 200 deep to get the weatherman. So imagine being a Pittsburgh (laughs) Steeler in that place. You can't go anywhere. To
6: get a guy's autograph who's wrong 75% of the time.
5: Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) Like they still win. the joke is
2: always the weatherman in California has an easy... D- Pittsburgh, it seems easy. It's going to snow.
5: Oh, how dare you. do not necessarily, d- necessarily it, Don't snow. you it's, dare. It's, it's gonna going to be cold. It's going to be overcast, though. There you go. <laughs> this one... Rank is in a bad mood because he roots for the Angels, even though their payroll is uh, is <laughs> seventeen high. times what the Pittsburgh Pirates. That, is. that has nothing.
2: That, that doesn't bother me at all. They're all right,
5: awful. listen. We I consumed about uh, I consumed almost go, an hour of uh, of Ryan's time in the car, so, that so I
2: don't so I don't get time with. Them.
5: I want you to have your time, but no, I want to no, no. hear about Troy Palomalu specifically because I don't mind it's, telling you something. I'm going to tell you something because what did I tell you before? I'm a man. You're honest, and I I'm going to shoot straight with you. Rank and I over here were asked to, for all 32 teams, name the most no, underrated. No, no. We were told to. Yeah, we were required to. Tasked with this. Yes. I didn't understand even what the question really was. They said, in franchise history for every team, most underrated, overrated player in history. I said, how could I possibly answer such a
2: question? Fun, fun that, to come up with the underrated guys, because there's a lot of underrated, guys in the league, you know,
5: yes, yes, yes. That was like, Franco Harris is a good one, because people, went, for a Hall of Fame running backs, people forget him too often. But anyway... I said the most overrated. I, I, first of all, I said Ray Lewis was the most overrated Raven. And I said for the Steelers, Troy Polamalu. And let me explain. The reasoning was the same. Rolling Stones syndrome. You know, the Rolling Stones, they made all those great records in the 60s and 70s, but it was a long time. You know, then they continued to stick around and make not great records. I feel like. Palomalu—it's really owed to his injury. He he just hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently lately. He's right. arguably the greatest, at, or the or at least the most distinctive, unique presence as a safety that the NFL's seen. However, the last couple of years hasn't been on the field much. Gets it got exposed a little bit. I felt like in the Super Bowl. How say you, Ryan Clark? Don't get angry. I'm at not
6: me. be honest. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Troy was hurt and hurting a lot more. And than They people, picked on him a, a lot, bit. a lot more than people knew. Hmm you know what i mean I, I can be honest with you and a lot of those and even some of those plays were troy and i scheming things up and feeling like we knew it was coming and and him guessing a little bit i'll be honest about that uh you look at what was that 2011 mm-hmm. troy plays i want to say he played 16 games he he went out maybe jacksonville game during the game kansas city game during the game played 16 games uh I want to say had ninety tackles, had, you know, a couple of picks, put pressure on the quarterback. So it wasn't a it wasn't a wash of a season. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, I think Troy and and some players like him, maybe not to the extent of a LeBron James now in basketball, but they're held to a higher standard of performance. If you get a guy to have, if you get a safety a starting safety that has a ninety tackle two interception year puts pressure on the quarterback is always around plays every game it's a great year for him with choice like oh you know we just didn't see the turnovers that we Mm -hmm. usually see and i think he's a victim of his success in some ways but the injuries last year and he has been kind of nagged by that same injury he's totally changed his offseason moved in a physical therapist and i think it's gotten to a point he understands just feeling good in offseason doesn't mean it's going to be good Hmm. During the season, he's attacked it that way. And I think, in some way, for one of the most humble guys I know, he finally, his ego was finally touched in a certain way. And it wasn't touched by performance, it was touched that he felt like he was hurting us because he's a part of the team, but he's not out there. You know, and I think that this is going to be the year that he comes back and, and does what he's supposed to do. But I think to call him overrated is, is tough because the accolades that he earned uh the the praise that he earned he earned it he earned it on the grass it wasn't it wasn't given to him when mm-hmm. Troy came out of when he came out of USC nobody people were upset that they moved up to draft him you know he didn't play you're exactly his, right people forget play, that people yeah. thought
5: they they really All right, let's not get crazy right. Steelers you don't play, have to trade up right his
6: rookie year he didn't play a lot he was like a dime back and mm-hmm. you know and he he says he says I was kind of awful you know and then when he got on the field he changed he changed the way offensive offenses played the Pittsburgh Steelers so i think to call him overrated is tough but you can say that now he's not he hasn't been the same player but to say he's overrated for what he had for what he had done and for what he can do i think that's incorrect
5: all right, listen, Ryan Clark, like I said, consumed way too much of your time out on the streets of uh, Los Angeles, so we don't have very much time left. On uh, Thursday night, make sure you go back and watch the re-airs, the Top 100 Reaction Show. Can't wait to hear Ryan Clark's thoughts on numbers 20 down to 11. We're going to talk about it right now as soon as he gets out of here. Ryan Clark, a uh, Peach, just give me uh, give me a name. Who's going to have more sacks for the Steelers this year, Lamar Woodley or Jarvis Jones? Lamar Woodley. Is Jarvis Jones going to start? I have no idea. All right. Is he going to be good? Does he look good? Does he look like, wow, this guy's going to be gangbusters? Or are nope. you like, eh, I uh, don't know yet?
6: We got on shorts. We're going to play the game in shorts. I couldn't tell you.
5: You should all start. Right. I think that'd that be would cool. be a cool thing. White Sox got a lot of uh, good good buzz about that a generation ago when they wore shorts in baseball. baseball. Maybe the Steelers should, should wear shorts in 2013. I'm, I'm down with it. If everybody else wears shorts, <laughs> I, mean, I don't wear pads in my pants anyway. <laughs> wow. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, Ryan Clark, like I say, a peach, and I uh, wish we could uh, uh, spend another couple hours, kibbits in. but go out of Studio sixty six. I'm going, man. You got things to do, people to meet. Much more comfortable than the car. Well, I don't know that you needed to deliver that party. Shot <laughs> about my ride. I well, mean, that's, I have an automobile. Listen, you, whatever.
2: you monopolized all of his time. Yeah, so now it, you're, you know what, cable, this though. is it's, you, I mean, you're we're setting, we're, you're setting the car show. We do online ahead of the work. We
5: don't have the kind of money to have a, have a luxury ride like oh that. Oh my goodness I mean, gracious, I don't know David. why I was nothing but nice to him. And then he does that to me right at the end there.
2: Yeah. And now you don't have a car because you finally did pay off that bet <laughs> or was a hundred episodes ago <laughs> about the cannonball of all things that you're going to challenge me on. Yeah. The cannonball I run. I know
5: my cannonball run. The bet was in case you don't know. It was, what was it exactly? I said it was was Joe Klecko. You said
2: Joe Klecko drove the GMC truck that jumped through the train. Yeah,
5: with the bad guy, the murderer from Ghost. Oh. (laughs) That was what I said. And that wasn't true? No, he drove the van. He Joe Klecko, the former Jet from the New York Sack Exchange, he
2: got maybe popped. the
5: lamest nickname in history for a defense. You didn't like that nickname, the New York Sack Exchange. That's pretty. That's much oh, clever. clever. The worst one I've ever heard. The worst. Wow, well, I don't know. That's. Uh, I'm going to have to think about this. Worst nicknames in sports. Let's think about that really quickly. Actually. Uh, why don't you give me the hashtag? Uh, drop me a line or uh, or black tie or rank any of us. It's at Adam Rank, and uh, I don't give black tie's Twitter account because Fire, I refuse black to. Well, it? no, that's not his. That's somebody else started. Just
7: that hashtag one. DDFP guys. Hashtag
5: you... DDFP. I'm at damage. You,
7: you don't need to add anyone. Just hashtag, and we'll all see it. Okay. We
5: won't see it because I
2: only respond to ones that send them directly to me. Well, you're
5: because selfish. I, you're not I a respond. team player. I, I respond My point to is worst nickname, and let me throw you another one. I think Purple People Eaters is pretty bad. And Come here's on. another terrible one. The Philadelphia Flyers, when they had Eric Lindros, and now I can't even think of who else was on the line with them. But when they were the Legion of Doom, Ugh, yeah. so lame. If
2: you're taking a wrestling nickname, and I'm a wrestling fan, I still don't think that's cool. Oh,
5: I don't think that started in wrestling.
2: Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom. Yeah, it did
5: the Legion of Doom is what are you talking about? Isn't that superhero you, stuff. Yes, yeah. with Lex Luthor and Luther. all those people. Nah. Who do you think they were? I'm gonna rank you a comic book guy. They you can't steal that Solomon though. Grundy. All those guys. Yep. The all Man Mantha Ray. He was a, he, he was in that. Who else? The Scarecrow was around. The Cheetah Girl or whatever. The Cheetah Girl.
7: That's right. I don't remember her yeah. name. And like he, there's some magic dude as well in that. Either way, just not to get too off track. Not to get too off track. Nice story from Big Ben though about uh, from Ryan nice. Clark about Big Ben, and you know just had me thinking about you know Warren Sapp and We're talking
6: about
8: an NFL
5: quarterback, black tie and his beloved Jesus. his drops. beloved drops.
2: Hey everybody, everybody stop! He's got a drop to put in there. <laughs> We're talking about an
5: NFL quarterback. Yes, we uh, are Sapp.
7: We are talking about NFL quarterback. Well, that's
2: really cool though. That does make me uh, respect Ben Roethlisberger a little bit more. When you that go out nice. and you uh, hang out with somebody's kids like that, that's.
5: It's pretty good. Terrific. All right. Now, listen, let's talk about who's walking through the door here right now all the way from England. He's our resident Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank.
1: He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England.
8: Handsome from England. His name
1: is Handsome Hank. He's 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 handsome Hank.
3: Hello, handsome. Hi, Dave. How are you? Nice to see you.
5: Oh, I just
3: a... I just bumped into uh, Ryan Clark on the way in.
5: Did you? Number twenty five. Yep, he was there. Yeah, um, he's a delight. We kibitzed with him uh, not long enough here. I, you know what? The next question I would ask him is what. Is the story with Mike Wallace from somebody who has watched him for the last three seasons? Wouldn't you be intrigued to well, know? Well, I, I think we you know, know the answer. He wanted to join a better team. He wanted a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. Well, that's the, that, right out of the gate, that is what he basically said. He said, I like it here in Miami much more. Everybody has more of a collegiate atmosphere here. It's a, it's much more like being in college. Like, well, hey, Mike Wallace, uh, that's not a good thing since you're in the pros now, fella. No, no, but, no.
3: That's not what he meant. What he meant is, and this is I've heard now from a couple of sources, including uh, Jeff Darlington, our own Jeff Darlington, who I know you like to have on the show. Jeff told me at the weekend, in private, but I'm going to share this publicly, that he thinks that this is the closest the Dolphins locker room has ever been. Hmm. The guys love hanging out together. They're having a great time. They're bonding. They're, you know, defense and offense. There's no divide. They're all spending time together. He's excited about that team, and he thinks they've got a good opportunity. And I think that's what Mike Wallace meant, rather than it's like college because we hang out and don't do much.
5: Um, all right, play well, a lot of video games, we shall class. see that kind of. Thing. What do you think, Rank? And then we'll move on because I do want to talk about. The, we're counting it down, and uh, we all did actually a little bit of uh, uh, homework. I I sent out an email, and everybody responded. Black tie, handsome Hank, Rank. And Dan Hansus from around the league all responded. I said, let's figure out what each of our top ten list is and see how it will compare ultimately with those guys. So I want to talk about that in just a second. But uh, two things before. Rank. Yes. Dolphins. What about them? Playoffs? What's their record? Good? I, disappointing? What's the vibe on them by the time we get to Christmas?
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about fan free agency because you know, as you know, I'm looking for a team. The Dolphins are suddenly well, they have a make push. They're making a huge sense. push. They, uh, there's some in- they're yes, pursuing we you.
5: Oh, yes, they are. In, they're,
2: in, they're in hot pursuit. A team I wouldn't have thought. You know, the Dolphins have a proud history. The only uh, team in the modern era, the Super Bowl era, to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. So I figured they wouldn't need a guy like me. You know, they've got Fergie. They've got some Mark Anthony's there. I What would they need with me, Mr. Irrelevant of, of the fan oh, no, 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 class.
3: no! Look, here's the one thing you'll find about be, be, being a Miami Dolphins fan when this eventually happens is we're all equal. Everyone's <laughs> okay. a fan together.
5: Check your ego at the door. That's right. And your sense of fashion because you have to wear aqua the whole time.
3: You don't have to wear <laughs> aqua the whole time. There are what do you Russians, wear? Orange, white.
2: I like orange.
3: Orange, yeah.
5: sorry. Um, so uh, yeah, well, but I,
2: definitely one of those teams that can make uh, a push into the playoffs. I got him as
5: a playoff team. Tannehill. I buy it. I like Tannehill.
2: I'll let you know if I think they're going to be a playoff team when I make my decision at the end of fan free agency. In case Tannehill-
5: you aren't aware, Rank is has made himself a free agent. He is finally, after many moons of going without an NFL team ever since the LA Rams left the city, he has uh, you know he's he's twisted. He's been a fan without a team, but now he's changing that in front of 2013. The Dolphins making a bid. Would it be a fringe benefit or is it a reason not to be a fan of them? You you, and Handsome Hank could travel across the country uh, with each other. You that, could take long cross-country flights together. Better yet, road trips.
2: Yeah. See, Hank's probably going to now back off of his push. But for me, that that would be a huge Maybe incentive. you guys could get
5: Harley Davidsons and bike it across the nation. Wow.
2: Go to Sturgis.
5: Yeah. I would really enjoy that. Something to think about. Yes. Um, all right. Handsome, I was sad that you weren't here because the thing that came up on the last episode was my emotional destruction after having seen The Red Wedding ah, on, Game okay, on Game
3: of Thrones. Oh, uh, you
5: was know I upset about it? I was very I, – I just couldn't – some of the stuff I saw was je- – my eyes can't unsee it. And the only thing I'm thankful for is that – I hadn't. I, I was like two weeks after everybody else had seen. What is that?
7: You gotta let people know. Spoiler alert. You've been warned. Spoiler Wait, uh, alert. Y- what is are you we're know? now? A month
5: I didn't past say it. anything. First of all, I'm in case to. you do. Okay, all right. I'm going to reveal
3: enough. everything because we're a month past it. And if you don't know about it by now, tough.
5: All right, skip. Yeah, skip ahead. That's a good point. I'm just, but let, I'm fair just enough. But No, no, no. I'm not coming down on you, black tie, like the other ones are. I'm. You and me are on the same side on this. You shouldn't ruin shows. But. Handsome Hank, the red wedding, Yes, really upset me. And like I was saying, had I not known, because I saw enough with social media to know that this red wedding was going to be grim and it was going to be stunning and everything else. So I was prepped for it once I got to the wedding. Obviously, I knew here we are and, and get ready. And it's still really... Really, it really shook is. me. Really. I, I mean, you saw it clean. You didn't know anything. I didn't know, was know happening.
3: anything was happening. I, I, I had, and I haven't read the books. I'm not one of those people, so I really was not prepared for it at all. And as a, a you two, you know, having two children, I often worry about like at bedtime, what are they going to watch? Because the last thing you want is at 3 a.m. the kid waking up with a nightmare. I watched the Red Wedding. I'm really not kidding. I should have followed my own advice. I couldn't sleep. And I had nightmares for about three days afterwards. I obviously am very mentally affected by those type of images on TV or movies or whatever. I literally could not sleep that night. If
5: you really didn't know that that was about did you black tie, you saw it clean as well, right? I saw it clean. I avoided Twitter, Facebook and right. everything
7: for about two days and then I watched it and I was like
3: what Well wait, in the world? you if you avoided Twitter it for avoided two days him.
5: I could imagine sitting in front of the T V staring blankly at it for about like four hours. Well, it wasn't just, just not just that, moving But from then it was lying in seat.
3: bed and going, The stocks are dead. I mean you don't understand Dave I, I, you must have done over however long you've been watching this you've invested a little bit of time and love Mm -hmm. into the Stark family they were as far as I was concerned they were the heroes it was bad enough when Ned Stark had his head cut off now the ones who you thought well okay these guys are going to make up for it crossbow in the in the chest or was it an arrow or crossbow
5: well yeah crossbow
3: I think
2: well, was no, it, like, yeah. really gory or was it oh, just Rob,
5: hugely gory? Rob Stark took it in the back. I'm yeah, to he think. took it yeah. in the back a little bit. Rank's looking at it right now on YouTube. I didn't uh, know that you, you could even like do it. that.
3: Adam, don't do it.
5: It's not. He's not going to be emotionally affected by it. But his wife, his wife got it the worst. Knowing nothing about oh, it, it's terrible. pretty dark. It's, it's pretty, pretty dark stuff what happens. I
3: mean, yes. So I, I, It's about the darkest thing I've ever seen on TV.
5: I agree. Well, that's what, that's what leads me to this. Is that the worst one you've ever seen? Because we, we tried thing, to name I mean, in some movie,
3: other ones. In movies, obviously, you see worse than that. But in terms of both the... Uh, the shock value of like the gore or whatever you want to call it that that you see there and then the investment and attachment you have in characters who are being just killed
5: off nothing worse my sire i feel i haven't given you a proper thank you yet a message from the Lannisters <laughs> the Lannisters send can, their regard can I talk
2: about this real quick yeah. who's the guy drinking during this
5: <laughs> he's the mean guy, that guy he's the guy a, yeah he's the one who orchestrated his, this whole thing
2: his expression doesn't change he's just like yeah this, this right. seems well, awful it,
3: well it, look this is set in medieval times so this is pretty much normal
5: It is, uh, yeah, it just uh, was terrible stuff. So anyway, Handsome, I'm sorry to you and all your countrymen that that's a part of your history. It's something you can't do. It's something you can't undo.
3: It is based on a true story.
5: Hey, speaking of that, we talked about that, you and me, a little bit yesterday. What about the fact that they use, it's sort of like Star Wars for no good reason when you think about it. Star Wars, all the bad guys, everybody on the dark side has an English accent. Everybody on the good side has, uh, has an American accent. Why everybody on this show? It's just assumed it plays like you're looking at a piece of history because well, they all have English accents for no right. good reason. But
3: it, Well, that, there's that. So, like, America hadn't been discovered yet, so obviously it would make no sense whatsoever in this fantasy medieval world that anyone would have an American accent or not. The, it's it's amazing as, that they
5: speak English. Right. It is interesting. As a, Good as, fortune for us. Same thing with the Star Wars yeah, trilogy. Well, we, exactly. we would have
3: been lost. If, as a Brit, it's interesting to watch though through Hollywood over you know like seventies, eighties, bad guys tended, tended to have British accents into the early nineties. Then we went in other directions. There was Russian accents were bad. South African accents. There was mm. like a like a three year period where bad guys often had South African accents. We're now back to British um, actors mean bad guys.
5: Good. Congratulations. Mm. That's huge for back us. to relevance. You know that's <laughs> Well,
3: I don't know that we weren't relevant. I mean, I think it's. I think I I'm don't right think you scared anybody. All of the superhero American superheroes right now. Are being pe- played by British. But actors.
7: they are played, they're not using a British accent. Right, though, that, that doesn't thing. matter, yeah. Black
3: Tie. What we're talking about is they were, Dave said yeah. they were irrelevant. That's, no, no, that's totally not. Okay. They're all it's
7: the same. The superheroes. gravitas yeah. that
5: only an Englishman can bring, yeah. like you do to this podcast. All right, sense. speaking of that, let's talk about football related matters. Oh, by the way. Speaking of this pocket, we have a new logo. Are you going to put that logo up on the on the NFL.com page there, Black Tie? Soon enough. Soon enough. I we like just got it.
7: working on it yesterday. Um, so we're going to unveil it pretty soon.
5: I like it. It's very unique. Uh, I told the guy who designs it, I said, Get, you know, people always say I sound like I'm from another time. I said, make it the uh, mid 20th century kind of, uh, you know, vibe to it. And he uh, did just he that. Hit that. looks good. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk top 100 here as it counts down. And we all agree there have been some egregious errors, as there are every year, among the – and this is something the NFL players, in case you aren't aware, roughly a third of all the of active players voted on this thing. I do intend to either go to the Pro Bowl or I don't know – or to their homes one by one and stand over the players as they fill out their ballots next year, just to make sure. I don't even know why you're sitting here. Charles Woodson can say whatever he wants. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the overlord of the top 100, I feel, because it needs it. This this isn't a presidential election. We don't need anonymity. What we need is an open and honest uh, discourse on this so that we don't have things like Jimmy Graham being left off of it next time, (laughs) as he was. Jimmy Graham not on the list. All right. Let's take a look at everybody's list here, and the cumulative number one in, in on this podcast for all the voters. Again, black tie, handsome, rank, Hansus, and me. Aaron Rodgers, the number one, over Adrian Peterson. I think it's going to be Adrian Peterson for the players, but that's besides the point. Aaron Rodgers, rank though with a with a wild card, the only one, Calvin Johnson. Yep. That's it. That's, That's all. You have nothing Calvin else goes. to say on not, the subject?
2: Do we not see what Calvin Johnson did last year and we're going forward? This is a guy.
5: Does he go down? Here's, what I, here's why I agree. I, I don't know that I say you know going into 2013 or whatever because they were a bum team and he was terrific and the defense was terrible. I get all that, and it's not his fault as a wide receiver. But here, I think he has a real chance to go down as the best receiver of all time. Easily. His production is on track to, to... I mean, he's really producing on a level that is sort of, I, I think in most categories, is sort of on par with Jerry Rice. But, and
2: one of the biggest things, though, and whether you believe in the Madden curse or not, I don't think really matters, but what happens, what they say a lot of times is what the Madden curse is a byproduct of guys having career years and then following it up with a year that's just not as good. So, of course... He had all the publicity going into last season, could have, you know, fall. his production could have fallen just even if he was healthy and everything had gone right, but he exceeded it. And the only place he really didn't exceed it was he kept getting tackled inside the five. Right. And if you follow fantasy football or anything like that, you'll notice it's pretty uh, frustrating when that happens. So then you add on, he got the Lions near the goal line enough to where they eventually scored, but... So his numbers were more mind-boggling than they even were anyways. And then this year, I just think he's going to be even better. Like he, He was playing Hurt last year. There's no reason to think that he's going to slow down. He's in fine shape. The Lions should have to throw the ball a ton because their team is not very good defensively still. I think he's going to go out and still have another great year. And when you compare him... To his contemporaries, now you're looking at Aaron Rodgers, and I have Aaron Rodgers in my top four at least. But when you look at the quarterbacks, you can say it's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. Tom, you know, you have
5: quarterback- I don't know. I have Drew Brees ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but all right, because he's do
2: because he's a better quarterback. But oh, the the thing is, is you have an argument of like, well, this this you know this quarterback could be as good or this guy's as good. There's no wide receiver in the game right now who's close. It's a
5: good point. It's, a good, it's a good point. It's a good way of looking at it. And, and that's Darrel. Wow, well, Revis.
2: Also, you know what? But had I, he not I, been hurt. Yeah, but I mean, been right, hurt, you're right. You're going right. to a top 5 guy for
3: me.
5: But I don't know I don't
3: know that we can say that Calvin Johnson's going to go down as the best receiver ever I'm not I, saying it. it I'm no, just no, projecting the,
5: that he's, he's he's on track and, and and is in the is in the conversation right now uh, for no, where he no is. No doubt,
3: no doubt, but I but without he, need, he he'll need some rings. He needs to come away with some jewelry.
5: Well, here's the I thing with I Jerry Rice though. Jerry Rice, I, I, admirable though he is as a football player, That's what I'm I'm not talking about, any post-career deeds, the current gig that he's got. I don't know that he's hitting home runs there, scoring touchdowns. That's neither here nor there. Jerry Rice, to his credit, I guess, sort of like Eric Dickerson. I like watching Eric Dickerson run. He had that super upright style. It seemed like he was. It was effortless. And as a guy who loves Mario Lemieux, he also had that sort of on him. Almost, it's as though it's a detriment to to what he did. Or it was too easy for him. Kind yeah. of, it somewhere in your subconscious, you it, it registers that way. He's not working hard to do it. Whereas, like you watch Marshawn Lynch, and he, every inch is he's fighting for. It. Jerry Rice never. I can't recall him ever once diving to catch a football. I can't. Re- I, I never can recall him. Uh, you know, putting his head down and running over a DB. It's a. It was all so easy for yeah. him, Calvin Johnson. Uh, when, for what it's worth, with the eyeball test. Is going to win out there because he makes spectacular plays every week. But
3: uh, but then but the fact that Jerry Rice made it look easy. If you if you're citing Mario Lemieux as, as someone who you do admire because he made it look easy, it's tough to say that. In fact, Jerry Rice often looked like he was skating down the field. I always used to. I think, agree. The same as Eric of, Dickerson. Eric was,
5: Dickerson never dove for right. the. You never. I I can't recall him. Bowling over anybody and fighting, extending the ball to get right. it across the. But Jerry
3: Rice was still outrunning guys. Right. He was still, you know, scoring touchdowns, everything else. Not his fault that he was getting pass- accurate passes or. Uh, what, what I'm
5: just you- saying, no, I'm, I'm talking about uh, because that feeds perception. Yes. Yes. That's all I'm yeah, saying yeah. about that. You know, be the same way people would say, Wayne Gretzky was better. Look at him. He was so much smaller. Well, so what? What does that mean, right. Um
2: Only hey, one person has said that.
5: No, many people said that, and let's not begin that one right now because that's not a. You have Joe Flacco rank as number (laughs) ten.
2: I have the reigning Super Bowl MVP, and then somehow people think that's
5: crazy. What Larry Brown
3: was once the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Was he a quarterback? No. Well, what does that mean? He was once a reigning Super Bowl MVP.
5: First of all, Jacoby okay. Jones or Anquan Bolden should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Then he's this have been number. He's uh, Joe, nineteen
2: on the players list, by the way.
5: Joe Flacco, fine. Joe Flacco got the MVP as a as a, a tribute to his month. That's what that was. That that that, that he. What does that What does that even mean? What do you mean? Well, that's yeah, pretty clear what I meant by that. He okay, played let's, four let's, great games, and so this, well, not, but that was the least of let's them. His go, Super Bowl performance was the least of the four.
2: Let's go back to his last eight playoff games, the majority of which were on the road. The only one I can really remember them playing at home was against Indianapolis. I could be right. Or I could be wrong about that. He went 6-2 over that stretch. 18 touchdowns, two interceptions, a passer rating of 105.
5: Yes, All I right. understand. Good oh, stuff. That is good. And you know what? To your credit, you're right, but you, it, it just, it, it, of course... Look, my eyeball sees that and sees you have Joe Flacco, you have Breeze, Rogers, Joe Flacco. Those are the three QBs you have in your top ten. That means no Tom Brady, oh. no Peyton Manning.
2: Tom Brady, you will not be talking about Tom Brady having a great year this season.
5: Well, Tom Brady also. Yeah, a lot of... I, I, mean, know, a really, lot of, I lot. know a lot
2: of people like to say, hey, yeah, you know, what? there was a stretch early in his career where they didn't have a lot of elite options, and it wasn't really until Randy Moss came in there. However, when you look... if Gronkowski doesn't make a comeback. And you look at what his production was last year without Rob Gronkowski, that's a huge drop off.
5: I agree with you. And now, I think everybody's got to give a little credence to my hypothesis that that's why they brought Tim Tebow in. Maybe they saw something going on with Aaron Hernandez. I mean, the the thing a couple months ago now that's emerging. Well, he was a
2: mentor to Hernandez in college as well.
5: Tebow. Yes. Oh, interesting. I didn't even make mm. that connection, but you're right. Of course. Yeah, of course they were there together. You're right. Um, but besides that, though, if from a football standpoint, if Gronkowski ain't ready to go and maybe they said, oh, well, you know, we're getting some bad vibes even before all this latest uh, ugliness um, you know, who's catching passes in the in the red zone for them? I think they might have to go to some trickery to, to punch it across there, and that's what uh, Tebow specializes in. Not that I'm suggesting they would take Tom Brady off the field. I'm saying they would put no. a, flip it back to Tebow and let him do his hokum that he does so well. Re- uh, Handsome Hank, you have Andrew Luck at number 10. Now, on last week's top 10, top uh, 100 reaction show, I... Listen, Andrew Luck had a fantastic rookie season. He took a team that the year before was what two and fourteen. He took him to the, the playoffs, worst team in
3: the league, but he
5: didn't. I mean, in an era when most QBs complete low sixties, sixty five percent, the best seventy percent, he completed fifty four percent of his balls. He threw a ton of interceptions. The tenth best player in the NFL. How I, say you?
3: I, well, I mean, we, I think at least when I when I made this list, I was projecting the best players going into twenty thirteen. And I fully expect Andrew Luck, based on his performance through the course of the season, to improve going into this year. It's his second year in the system. He's got, uh, he doesn't have Arians, but he's got his offensive coordinator from, from college. Which should help him. Which should help him, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in terms of the I, picks, right. I yeah. believe Andrew Luck is going to—I I, I'd, I'd ha- would say right now I'd stake a lot on Andrew Luck will be a Hall of Famer. Right don't,
2: now. don't you weren't you saying earlier when you and I were talking in private that his numbers compared to Manning as his a rookie? His numbers
3: compare favorably to Manning as a rookie, and then Manning went off and did some great things in his second season. I really see Andrew Luck making a huge leap this year. And you know, Black Turner and I also talked about this yesterday. He has RG3 uh, up in his top 10. If you like, if you project Andrew Luck through his career, RG3 no doubt is the best most accurate mobile quarterback of all time, the best passer amongst mobile quarterbacks of all time. But who knows if that system, A, if he can continue to run it through the course of his career without getting injured, and B, if, as you've said, through the course of this offseason, if the pistol's just going to die a death over the next 12 months or two years as defenses figure out how to work it out and stop it. If you then say Andrew Luck versus RG3, which quarterback do you want for the long term in a pro-style offense? I take Andrew Luck every time. And if you
2: notice, too, the Carolina Panthers will be moving away from a lot of that read option. Uh, Shula, the the offensive coordinator down there, wants Cam Newton to be more of a drop-back passer.
5: Yeah, I guess that's what it always comes down to. Is especially Robert Griffin uh, the third? You know, he's, he he just has that slight build, and so he's going to have to morph into into something else right. o- over and, the and next couple of years. Is he going to do years. that
3: job? Is he going to be the pocket passer for the? And obviously, that won't be exactly what he is. But can he do that as well as Andrew Luck? No way.
5: Uh, by the way, just a little bit of hyperbole. RG three is the most accurate on the move passer ever.
3: No, no. Of, I'm, I'm not saying on the move passer. I'm saying mobile, if you if you classified him as a. Oh, mobile I see. Quarterback, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah.
5: distinction. He runs the great best, and right, he's an He's accurate the guy.
3: best passer amongst mobile quarterbacks I think I've ever seen.
7: Like, can, I, can I defend the RG three pick on my list here? guys so i mean i was looking for impact players and for my money i was talking about this with hank yesterday he had two of the most memorable if not the most memorable plays from last season the third and long against the giants in the very first game it was a, in the Meadowlands, yeah, yeah that was terrific yeah. they, you didn't hear a lot about it because the giants ended up winning that game when eli to cruise touchdown <laughs> that and also his vikings run it was like a 50 yarder down the sidelines He's so impactful that I think it's not a matter of, like, hey, this guy is young, so let's bring him along slowly. Let's, let's run some gimmicky offense. I just think his skill set is so vast that he actually helps the Redskins almost, like, create a new offense. And everyone says, hey, the pistol is new. No one ran it quite like the Redskins last year. They consistently, it was, like, first down, second down, third down. It was a consistent offense. They knew what he was doing. Like, we had Roddy White here a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, you 3 does not turn the ball over. And that's one thing that you don't see from a mobile quarterback. They usually are a That is a rarity. Right.
5: Almost every guy in history who you say, like, man, he runs a lot and everything else, and he throws a lot, you know, the, the, the physical spread, they turn the ball over a lot. Not uh, not, not a, RG3. Not RG3 so. Explain this, though, Black Tie. On your list, how do you justify um, – not having J.J. Watt in the top ten because
7: yeah. I feel like that's just people it's, it's just talking heads telling me. Like I understand he's online, he's, he's wreaking havoc, he has all the numbers, and all the sacks, but ultimately too. I that's like that, an offensive
5: uh, lineman. I agree with you. I, 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 as we always talk about, it's laughable when the average fan says that offensive lineman so terrific. Oh, really? Based on what? Because somebody yeah, told you that? But exactly. this, that you, if you watch J.J. But, Watt play, bad passes time, down, yeah, he, did it he every bats, day.
7: Ultimately, I, I agree, and the reason why. It's easier to say, okay, no, I can see, I can see with my own eyes, this defensive lineman is good because they have those numbers, they have the stats, that produce, and I, I, like him. I just don't think. I think it was his first year, and the colour of offenses off guard. So I don't, I don't think moving they into this year. off guard.
5: Well, <laughs> I, let me say, caught kind of off guard. Is, that is a good right, way. They to did, did as they, as they uh, all week they're
3: watching Hope video, tackle. and then on Sunday they're like, wow, look at this JJ Watt guy. Didn't wow. I,
5: I, I don't see,
7: it, I don't see. It him duplicating that sort of success this upcoming season. Not to say he's not in my top 15. He's just not in my top 10.
5: We'll we'll wait for Hanzoos to explain his Matt Ryan pick there at number nine. I feel like that's a very dicey one. In the meantime, how does everybody feel? I'm the only one to list Brandon Marshall there. I almost went with Darrell Rivas, but I felt like he didn't play last year, so that's not right. That's not in the spirit of the list to put him on here. I came close, though. Clearly to me he's the best. Uh, he's the best cornerback. Brandon Marshall though he doesn't get his due. I feel like this guy has played. You talk about uh, Matt Stafford being your quarterback. I know he has been hurt, and so Sean Hill was has been Calvin Johnson's QB as well. But I feel like Brandon Marshall's gotten the rawest deal of any dynamite wide receiver in turn, I mean, Jay Cutler has the big arm and everything. He's been moved around and Kyle Orton, and then he goes to Miami, and he's got all these different uh, situations. None of the team's really, really good either. It's not his fault, I don't think, as a wide receiver, especially when he's producing triple digit catches. Why doesn't he get his due as a guy who's a Dolphins fan? Handsome Hank, I start with you.
3: I, um, for me, the, I mean, I, I did consider putting him somewhere around sort of the ten mark. Did you? I really did, yeah. But the previous two years in Miami, and I didn't see him as much, obviously, with the Bears. Although, obviously, you know, you're hugely aware that I think he caught something like sixty-five percent of all all cut. It's no, it's a, you know what was
5: it was. It was, it was forty. He caught forty-five percent, and that production is historic right, by it, NFL yeah. by the NFL measure. In fact, from a fantasy standpoint, if you look him up that way, that's an easy way to take a look at it. Look at what Brandon Marshall did, where he ranked. I mean, you can look at the raw numbers, too. But in terms of fantasy points, and then look at what Jay Cutler did. I don't think anybody in history has ever had that kind of a split with the possible exception of maybe like Steve Smith and Jake delome somewhere yeah. along the way, it's amazing
3: but, but so I, but the previous two years, and this is where he let me down is in Miami he dropped a ton of passes, and I know he didn't have good quarterbacks throwing it to him. He had Chad Henny most of the time there and Matt Moore towards the end, but he dropped the ball in in crucial situations the whole time, and so I just I can't justify I know that this is, should be based on just last season, but it, that's in my head.
7: That's two things he does that I, I'm not in love with. He drops the ball every now and then, and he's not necessarily a speed guy. He's huge. He can go across the middle, but I, you know, you gotta, you can't have both those things, and you know. But I think he, but head. I,
5: you know, that if the foot speed thing is a nice thing. Obviously, some. Uh, so, you know, it's been uh, an invaluable trait in a lot of guys, but Jerry Rice is no burner. Right. Larry Fitzgerald's no burner. But it's not. Larry it's not Fitz, a free. Fitzgerald
7: has probably the best hands ever. Like he's his hands to me, best I've ever seen. Anyway, like. You got to have that those well, hands, and I, I think agree. Does.
5: Well, and I said who's got the Ross deal among wide receivers? I guess Larry Fitzgerald's got the Ross deal uh, more so than Brandon Marshall. But the thing they have in common that we talk about a lot is, along with uh, Calvin Johnson, is they go up and they make plays on the pass. And there's no you can just throw if you're that if, if you're their QB, you can just throw jump balls to them. You just throw throw it in his direction. It's not going to get intercepted because he'll swat it away or he'll catch it. No nothing bad can come of it. Rank Brandon Marshall. Have I overrated him or no?
2: One of the most unheralded number one run or number one receivers going, and you know, and I base this a lot of what you we were talking about earlier, just going on the fantasy numbers. And it, it always amazes me like how far he drops in fantasy drafts, and you just realize nobody really pays much attention to this guy. But year in, year out, he goes up and he puts up huge numbers.
5: When you're on bum teams, you don't tend to score as many touchdowns. That's just the way it is, and right. that he's been he hasn't been on. Uh, especially good teams, but I'll be interested to see, because I, I think that Bears team you feel like, ah, that offense might be gangbusters this year, but you look at the defensive pieces that they've let go, and I, I wonder if that defense might uh, might recede quite a bit here's something, oh, by the way, Black Tie can you put this up on NFL.com slash Sheck, we'll show all four, all five of our, uh, our top tens here players that appeared on all five lists Aaron Rodgers, Adrian Peterson Calvin Johnson and Drew Brees. I can't believe J.J. Watt is left off that list there. Well, that
3: guy I mean, well, made a mistake there. Consider that's, the source.
5: Yeah. Um, and Says so uh, the
7: guy who has LaShawn McCoy and Matt Ryan on his list.
5: I don't have Matt Ryan on this list. No. Hanzoos has Matt Ryan.
7: Oh, see. He had Joe Flacco. Sorry. Can I tell
5: you something? Ranked it. What it appears to me is you've done well. Not you didn't do a straight projection for 2013 because you have Joe Flacco on there, and there's no way he finishes in your top 10 if you do it based on if you ended it uh, after week 17 of the NFL season. Joe Flacco will not be regarded as one did of the they, 10 best did, players.
2: Did the season end after week 17? No, it didn't. I'm oh, saying if it okay. ends
5: at, when we do this, if we look January 3rd, 2014, I bet you Joe Flacco will not be in your top 10. That's my prediction. Now. Either way, it's not besmirching him. He had a terrific run. Shady McCoy, though, defend that one. And let me say ahead uh, before you do, if you, when I put my list of best running backs together, guys I'd most want to have, yes, I would put Adrian Peterson, like everybody else, number one. Mm-hmm. Shady McCoy is my number two. Ahead yeah, of Arian Foster, oh, yeah. Ray Arian. Rice, and though I, I think Shady's the one I, I would uh, most like to have and after if, Peterson.
2: And if you look at what Chip Kelly does at uh, or what he did at Oregon and how much, uh, how much he used his running backs, Lashawn McCoy is going to have a monster season. There is a little bit, little bit of a projection there, but I still feel that Lashawn McCoy had a great year last year as a running back, but that team just wasn't very good, and, and Andy Reid just kind of didn't use him it was frustrating because you would look and you'd say like oh shady mccoy had 18 to 24 touches but you would watch the game and it would be like he would get 12 in the third quarter and then be forgotten in the fourth quarter or something like that so i felt that his production was held back a little bit by andy reed's play calling but he still that still doesn't mean he's not the second best Running back in the game, what, I like
5: they, I like his way. They, like they say, he has wiggle. He seems they, old
7: school. To totally, me. like he's um, he's one of the he's the most skillful back in the league to me. Like. The fact that he's able to make defenders miss as much as he does, he looks like he's at a different speed, and that's and that's ridiculous. Considering these are the best athletes in the world, it's totally ridiculous.
5: Um, all right, fellas, what do you say? Do we have anything else to talk about this Aaron Hernandez thing? I, we don't know at the time of the recording. We don't really know what the situation is, so it's hard to really uh, delve into it too much. But uh, obviously, grim stuff. And uh, like a lot of other people, I noticed the um, the comparisons. What I, I said. Uh, same deja vu in a bad way that on the same day of a big NBA Finals game, you have a football player possibly being uh, charged with uh, with the most heinous of crimes. It's a, a, an unfortunate uh, coincidence there. But um, also, we don't. I, I wish we could delve into the NBA Finals, but I feel like it'll be unsatisfying if we start making predictions now. And by the time you hear this, you already know, and you'll think, "Wow, those guys are even dumber than I thought they were when they <laughs> when they failed to put JJ Watt on their list." No, that's, that's a dig at you, Black Tie. Um, I will, though. Next week, I do want to talk about when we do our next cast. I want to talk about the influence of social media. Ryan Clark, who was in here isn't even on Twitter anymore, but he's obviously pretty savvy about media and so on. Don't you think, in a general way, but certainly as it applies to LeBron, I think the pressure isn't isn't more, not some not some ambiguous. It's more than what was on Michael Jordan. I think it's, you know, exponentially worse to be LeBron. There's no way you could be LeBron James and not know that everybody's weighing in on you there's not you can't write it off to you can't write it off to like yeah that announcer has it in for me or that 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 columnist from wherever yeah he writes bad stuff but he's always had that it feels like a more collective indictment when people start saying yes he's a oh he's not clutch and all that kind of wait you're
3: saying so you're saying that before twitter came along athletes or celebrities or people generally weren't aware that there were people sitting in bars or sitting in Offices or wherever yeah, else, I am having saying conversations that. about them. They I didn't think, realize that was going on.
5: I think they knew it, but it was easy to hide from it and delude. I think it was easier for. I mean, literally, ten or twenty years ago, it was but much LeBron's easier to delude. He was easier to on delude the line
3: looking, saying, "Oh no, everyone says that." that oh, but he, shot. I took,
5: but he certainly hears it everywhere he goes. It's, it's that, that it,
3: can't have been any different to. Uh, to a same athlete. thing as
0: anyway.
5: You're accessible now on your cell phone, whereas you weren't. Twenty years ago, now there, there is no moment. There is no, there's no such thing as being by yourself unless you re. I mean, and, and if you're LeBron James, where could he possibly go where he can shut out the entire world? It's very difficult to do. As but, soon as he leaves his house, he's he's going to be hit with it. Does he not go him, on a cell? Of course he does. I think
2: he goes to whatever bunker Black Tie goes to to avoid Game of Thrones spoilers.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's worse, and I feel like by that same thing. You know, Michael Jordan, that's why I always say about Kobe Bryant, I, you know, I think he's a complicated guy, not a flawless human being or anything else. But I do think that he's in, under a much uh, hotter light than Michael Jordan was. You know, Michael Jordan could do things that now 20 years after the fact, we can sort of find like, oh, did you hear that that's what he he, he used to do during his career? He used to do this naughty thing or, or that naughty thing. He didn't have to deal with that during his career. It's much worse to be Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or anyone else right now.
7: I think a lot of it, too, is just an initial narrative on whoever this person is. Because the the light is there. It's just that MJ was always respected and somewhat feared.
5: It's funny. I think people have a hard time backing off of that initial opinion. I think you're right about that. That that Tom Brady is considered clutch. And to Rank's point, Tom Brady doesn't belong on this list. I was going to say that uh, 15 minutes ago. And Tom Brady, this no, yeah, he's clutch. Well, he hasn't been. Look at his look at his playoff runs. He hasn't had a clean playoff run. He lost in forever. The,
2: he lost to Peyton Manning when he had a twenty-one to three lead. I don't think that you can call this guy clutch.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's a, but I think you're right about that. In fact, think about society. Think about baseball fans. It took, it, I mean, the preponderance of evidence before people would kind of acknowledge, like, all right, that McGuire Sosa thing was lame. It's just that we invested in it emotionally, and we were we loved it so much. And then you heard the whispers, and you didn't. So what? It doesn't touch them. It's not Sosa and McGuire. It's just Barry Bonds. We just didn't want to embrace that because we previously didn't like Barry Bonds very much. And so, sure. Well, see, that's the conversation I wanted to have, and now we've kind of had. We it. had it. Now we're, we'll revisit it. But I want to no? hear Handsome Hanks' thoughts on it, and and we would and we could delve into it further with ranks, but guess what? Black Tie's given us the rapid upside, what? so what choice do we have? We only just sat down. Ryan Clark was dandy, so were all of you. You'll look at our lists of our top ten players. I'm sure no matter whose you look at, they will all be superior to what the NFL players come up with. And uh, we'll be back next week. What do we have next week, Black Tie? We have somebody good, right? Don't we, we do. have a good guest lined up? I feel like for Tuesday, I think Tuesday is just us. We're just hanging. Are you sure? I feel like we have a guest, and I know we also have. Uh, but we are we're going to dial up one of our all time favorites, one of our favorite callers ever, the Ed. We're going to try to track him down, see what he has to say about this, that, and the other. So, all right, listen.
7: And we also got to get fan callings at some point. Maybe that's a what we we'll Maybe
5: tomorrow. Maybe Tuesday. Then, when we sit down for the show, that's exactly what we should do. Roll some calls in from the Czech Republic, rank amateurs, and Hank amateurs. That's what we'll do. All right, Rank, a pleasure to see you. Handsome Hank, Black Tie, all of you. Thanks so much. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on in the meantime. Around the League Debate Club coming up. Take it away, boys.
3: Hands Zeus, and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news, and here's their chance. It's ATL, Around the League. Light a flame, boys.
2: Pig skin's hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the ATL Debate Club. My name is Dan Hansis. Mark Sessler is on vacation doing whatever Mark Sessler does on vacation. But in studio I have the great Greg Rosenthal.
8: I think he reads ATL. That's what Mark Sessler does on vacation. I have
1: to say, Mark has been very uh, entrenched with the product. I've gotten a lot of texts and a lot of... Like, when I go on vacation, just to give you a heads up, it's going to be Ghost Protocol. I'm yeah, out.
8: I think that's the, the way to do it. Yeah, Mark is tweeting about Bernie Kosar, all sorts <laughs> of things. Uh, but now that he's gone, I'm really ready to uh, make some noise on this podcast, change things up a little bit. So... You know, we've got a special guest today, Wes Welker, my wife's favorite player, right. really, in the entire NFL. So I, I just decided with Mark on this is what's happening. We get Welker done, and, and we're going to welcome into the show shortly. You've positioned yourself very well here. Uh, so let's, let's talk to the great Wes Welker. Welcoming in Wes Welker, the newest Denver Bronco. Wes, how many interviews have you done today? Oh, my goodness. You don't want to know. A lot of people don't probably know. About,
4: probably about 15 or 20. Wow.
8: And and yesterday,
4: uh, yesterday it was just kind of everybody together, so it was it went as bad.
8: Yeah, probably two or three. Wes is here to talk about his hair restoration. We're going to get to that later, but uh, you know, you're you're a new Denver Bronco. Obviously, you've been one of the biggest stories of this off season. You know, your transition uh, to Denver, and it, and it got me thinking about your career and how you started with the San Diego Chargers. Not a lot of people know. You were there. You were there for a little bit. Then you go to Miami. You carve out a nice role as a role player, a returner, a slot receiver. You know, not making a lot of numbers, big noise. Did you ever imagine when you're in Miami, kind of fighting for snaps, or when you were in San Diego, that you could be a guy that's one of the biggest stories of the off season? Where is Wes Walker going to go?
4: Uh, no, I, I never thought. Uh, I was just, I was just trying to get a job every year that's all I was you know really looking to try and do is is earn a roster spot and uh and always fighting for one so um you know and I feel like it's I think it served me well because I try and take that same mentality into into every training camp
8: was there a point in in San Diego or Miami where you were worried you you wouldn't be able to keep a roster spot and stay in the NFL
4: uh, well, I think my rookie year especially, yeah, I was, you know, uh, obviously I, I just didn't want to have any regrets and, and, you know, give myself every opportunity to try and make it and and see what happened from there. Um, but, you know, I, I really had no idea um, if it was going to work out or not. Wes,
1: you uh, obviously have established yourself over the past half decade as probably the, the greatest slot receiver in the league right now. Um, you know, you got your deal with the Broncos, uh, another uh, – high-level slot receiver, and Victor Cruz is the biggest, it seems like the biggest stopping point between him and the Giants getting a deal done is over the perception of what a slot receiver is worth. Do you think there's a disconnect in terms of the way teams value a slot receiver and what they actually bring to a team?
4: Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that there there is, but, you know, I, I mean, it is what it is, and so – um it's 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 hard to really really say, you know, whether a guy you know is an every down player or if you go by stats or if you go by playing time or you go by I mean it's it's really tough to say uh, really what what it's supposed to go on or or I think it's all in the eyes of, of the the people writing the check.
8: Why does it matter where the player starts the play, anyways? Like, why does that matter compared to production? Why would an outside receiver be more valuable?
4: well i i don't you know what i i i don't know i mean um I, the, i'm not really sure I, I think you'd probably have to ask uh the the you know pro player personnel guys or or whatever um you know that's that's kind of their call
1: all right well, so now you're back in boston right now correct
4: uh yes, I'm in uh, Rhode Island right now.
1: Any I know it's uh, you haven't been gone too long, but any emotions returning to the New England area? I mean, you establish yourself as a star in that region.
4: Um yeah, I mean, I went I went to the Boston Bruins game uh last night. Um and, you know, I was it was really cool just seeing all the fans and and a lot of them just coming up and and thanking me and and uh wishing me the best and everything like that and and uh so it, it was. It was really cool to see.
1: Did you have any concerns you walk into the uh, the TD Garden or whatever they call it these days and worry that maybe you would get not such a great reception going to the maybe the biggest rival in the AFC of the Patriots?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit. A little bit. I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, but early that day, I kind of walked around Boston um, to go grab something to eat and stuff. And, and you know, like everybody is very receptive and stuff. So I felt pretty good about it at that point. And then... Uh, and then going to the game is pretty much the same way.
8: They they give you the jumbotron treatment.
4: No, no, no. no. Oh, so that's it's kind sad. of a last minute deal going to the game and stuff like that.
8: So I feel like that's a slight. No jumbotron. <laughs> you got to yeah, give Wes Welker know. the jumbotron. Who else is at a Bruins game? I mean, I know it's it's a big deal, but it's not really a a celebrity type of. Hangout. Has
1: anybody else in that building averaged 117 catches a year <laughs> over the past five years?
4: <laughs> I think they're more, <laughs> more worried about the hockey and stuff like that. Oh, so. that that's yeah.
8: fair. Yeah
4: um
1: so obviously you have been asked about this aaron hernandez thing it's going to be something that i'm sure is impossible to avoid if you're in the nfl right now i mean you've been in that building um i'm assuming that it's probably a a difficult situation in there do you think how do you think it's
4: being handled at patriot way right now um i mean i I think the same way i'm about to handle it right now uh, (laughs) basically just not have any sort of comment about it you know um it there's just nothing good to, that can really come out of me saying anything about it at this point.
8: Well, then, then let's make the smooth transition uh, to your hair. Uh, All right. <laughs> do, do they do they pay you in hair? I mean, is that is that your compensation? They give you <laughs> hair. They
4: they they took care of me, and it's a lot of hair. That's for sure. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I re- I got I respect the I respect the hell out of you, Wes Welker. I mean, you're. To you don't care like you, if some people might say like oh I I want to go on the down low with uh, getting some type of hair treatment whether it's a piece or some type of growth or a transplant but you're not only um, a customer you're now a pitchman for it why did you feel so inclined to attach yourself to this product
4: you know it's uh, it's it, I I always hate it when like people sit there and get something done and and they sit there and they're like oh no I, no I didn't i didn't get that done you know so i just kind of like you know i i don't want to be that guy i'd rather just be like yeah i had it done you know and and uh it's kind of funny like guys are i can't believe you're doing that and stuff like that and then i get (laughs) it done and now i got the same guys come up to me like hey uh what's dr leonard's number
8: yeah Uh, dr Dr. robert leonard is the name and, and usually you know Athletes come on, they want to talk about their sponsor, and that's kind of something you throw in at the end and you get it out of the way. But Dan, who's sitting here next to me, is genuinely very fascinated by this topic. He cares a lot about well, his hair. I like, like he hair. could he wanted to do the whole interview really about about the transplant. I did.
1: I would have been dismissed yeah. when I got back down to my desk, but I wanted <laughs> I'm just curious like do you um, do you use product in the hair? Is it is it natural? Do, like how do you style the hair? Do you have to treat it differently than your real hair and the transplant hair? So many questions. No.
4: No, no, no. You can't even tell the difference. I wouldn't even be able to tell you which one is is a transplant hair and which one is is a natural. Hair. I mean, it looks natural. Um, it took me four hours to do the procedure. I was on a wave runner two days later. Nice. Um, you know, I mean it's it's
8: uh that's it's, straight it's out of really the commercial going on the wave runner after the hair. Growth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it would
4: be a good
1: commercial. There had to be a, like a beautiful woman in like a high waist bikini behind you <laughs> on the wave
4: runner, correct? Yeah. Well yeah, I mean it's not a it's not a good commercial without that.
8: <laughs> well, thank you, Wes, for the time. Uh, you know, we appreciate uh the information on the hair and everything else, your transition to Denver. Uh, good luck to you this year, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the field.
4: All right. Thank you all very much. I Thanks, Wes. It. And there goes
8: Wes Welker. A guy that uh, my wife thinks is a very handsome man, a short guy. I'm threatened, really, by Wes Welker because it's not like I can't – you can't <laughs> obviously compare yourself to NFL player, but he's like when you stand next to him, he just looks like a regular guy, and yet, right. and yet he's somehow in the NFL.
1: And his hair, his hair does look great. Uh, sometimes when I think about you, hair transplants, I think about uh, Tobias from Arrested Development with the stapled <laughs> hair and all the blood going down his forehead. But West doesn't look that way. We have another West, West now in studio.
8: Chris Wesseling, hey guys, freshly shorn has joined us. Uh, He's shaved his beard off. He looks
1: way too dressed up for
8: <laughs> an off day drop into the studio. So we had Wes Welker on. Wes. Y- it's very confusing with all the (laughs) Wes's he's got the most production of any slot receiver in the league Wes Welker is he the best slot receiver in the NFL if you're starting a team let's just say this year only 2013 is he the guy you want
9: I'm sorry to say this after we just got off the air with him but no
8: Hmm.
9: Percy Harvin's the guy I would want and Welker would probably be somewhere around 4th or 5th on my list
8: 4th or 5th so who else goes in front of him then
9: Victor Cruz and Randall Cobb?
8: Yeah, I like Cobb a lot. I think, well,
1: you know, with the Aaron Rodgers factor, you never know how much of that is created by him. Cobb is, to me, a guy that can, you know, bust out to the next level this year. And I love Welker, too, and it feels weird not to put him at the top of this list after he was so nice talking about his hair. But I think, like, I think he's a guy that, you know, he's 32 now. He's he's maybe had his best years. Uh, He's still going to be productive. But I don't know if he's going to be that guy he was in New England.
8: Taking guys long-term, yeah, Randall Cobb, Cruz, Harvin. The Harvin has to stay on the field, continue to do that every year. But I think people don't give Welker enough credit. You know, they say, you know, Troy Brown had some numbers. Troy Brown had numbers for one year as a premier slot receiver, and they weren't numbers like Wes Welker. So I think he does – people just count on him as a guy that – got bumped up because the Patriots are who they are. Tom Brady is who they are. But there haven't been any other really Wes Welkers over the years come through New England. Who else has been that type of guy?
9: No, I agree. I think it's fair to say we're selling Wes Welker short. (laughs) And if we're basing it on the last five years, he's number one with a bullet. But I think what separates Harvin from the other guys is physicality and he's He's, I think, far and away the best after-catch receiver in the NFL.
1: I think just like the Patriots were spoiled by Welker, we're spoiled by Welker. Because if you look 20 years from now, if you look at Welker's stat line from 07 through 12, I mean, the guy, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer to me. If he puts together another couple good years in Denver, I think that's a guy that's going to Canton. He's
9: going from the place where he was the number one receiver target-wise to a place where Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker are going to be targeted heavily, probably more heavily than Welker.
1: Well, let's say, how about this? What if he goes there, and despite a lot of people saying the drop in production, he still puts up a Welker type year. I mean, does that make you find him more impressive as a player? Absolutely. I would reassess it, definitely.
8: I think he can too. Everyone thinks his numbers will drop, and they'll probably drop you know, to a degree, but it's not like slot receivers were struggling with Peyton Manning over the years. I mean, I know Brandon Stokely wasn't catching 112 passes, but his career was donezo years ago. He comes, it wasn't really retirement, but he comes out of nowhere last year. He's still productive. Austin Colley was very, very productive when he was healthy. Uh, Peyton Manning knows how to use tight ends too. Anyone in the slot, I, I don't see why Wes Welker can't lead that team in receptions and yards and have big numbers. I can't believe you just said Dunzo.
9: He can. What's wrong with Dunzo? I, don't know.
8: I, don't I like mean, that. when
1: Kristen Cavallari was saying it on Laguna Beach, I was like, "All right, cool." Rosenthal on thirteen. I don't know. I
8: wouldn't. I wouldn't know that reference. So <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't. Okay. I was not pulling it from Laguna Beach. But yeah.
9: <laughs> Welker can lead them in receptions. I don't. Know, if I'm the quarterback, I'm not bypassing Demarius Thomas's big play ability to to keep playing it safe with
8: Welker. People talk about Welker as uh, a product of the system. I think you could make a little bit of that argument with Victor Cruz too and I, th- I think you see it in the contract uh, negotiations that they might value Hakeem Nix more than Cruz I mean when Steve Smith was there in New York with Eli Manning he was putting up some Wes Welker like numbers Yeah,
1: and I think if the Giants really play hardball here and it seems like they are it sounds like they're going to slash his offer a tender offer according to Ian Rappaport if he ends up walking, I really think they're going to regret it, just like I think the Patriots are going to regret trying to replace Welker with Amendola, who I could kind of see but this time, you know, by Halloween, him having some type of shoulder issue, missing games, and all of a sudden everybody's like, wait a second, it's not that easy.
9: That's a great point about Victor Cruz and the Steve Smith connection. Steve Smith didn't do anything after he left the Giants, but that's also because of a knee injury. But we saw last year when Nix was injured, he was used to taking the double teams, and Cruz would, fe- Cruz would feast on single coverage. As soon as Nicks couldn't take the double teams anymore, Cruz was getting the extra coverage, and his production went way down.
8: And I think Cruz is a guy, you know, we kind of discount Welker because we see in Cruz and Cobb and Harvin a little bit different type of a slot receiver. Cruz is a guy that goes deep. I mean, he helped change how slot receivers are really used in the NFL because you see a lot of top outside receivers now coming in the slot running deep because people saw how they were using Cruz, and now you see all the big-time names are slot receivers. I mean, Calvin Johnson, you call him a slot receiver if you want. He's lining up there sometimes.
9: Larry Fitzgerald will this year.
8: Yeah, I think that'll help him. Um, Welker obviously was you know, one of the biggest offseason stories going to Denver this year. We just wrapped up minicamp season, OTA season. We try not to draw too much from this, evaluate the players, but it's still something we cover, and, and it's, a, it's an important part of the process. What, to you... Dan Hansis, was your biggest takeaway from this OTA minicamp season. Well, I think the
1: qualifier you had there is important that we can't get too wrapped up about what's going on um, in the middle of June. But, you know, what's happening in Oakland right now would make me nervous. And with the quarterback situation, you had a bunch of uh, tweeting from beat guys and some reports about how all three quarterbacks just looked dreadful and you know, when I think think about this time next year and I wonder if that quarterback play is bad and there's not a lot of talent on that roster, you know, we're talking about a three- or four-win team where we'll be really tested and we'll find out about Mark Davis, what kind of patience he has. I could easily see McKenzie cleared out. You know, I could see Dennis Allen gone. And then, you know, am I getting ahead of myself that this is potentially shaping up as a terrible situation in Oakland?
8: No, I don't think so. Do you, Chris, do you take... Like, do you look at these when it's really bad in practice and find that that matters? You know what I mean. Like over the years, have you when the pra- when they real when a team really struggles in practice, do you think that ends up translating in the regular season?
9: No, I don't take much from minicamps when it comes to practice. I think what they're doing is putting in offensive installation, and the most we the most I ever take from minicamps is like how are the rookies doing, how are the depth charts maybe changing. But as far as a couple of random throws on the practice field that we may see from beat writers, I think
8: that gets blown way out of proportion. See, but I think Dan, I kind of agree with Dan, because to me there's a sliding scale of awfulness in the off season, and it's like when they can't, when you can't complete really routine things, and and I'm not talking like this guy struggled, that guy struggled, but when it's to the point where people are just like, I haven't seen anything this bad in years, we heard that with the Jaguars last year. We heard that with the Raiders in the off season last year, and sometimes... Uh, it does end up translating.
9: I guess where I'm coming from is we kind of knew these players were not up to par before <laughs> minicamp practice. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what's your big takeaway? Uh, I think my takeaway is Robert Griffin III is not just going to be ready for week one. They're going to be running the pistol again, and mm. he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league again.
8: It's a good one. I mean, we're kind of just assuming now that Robert Griffin is healthy. I mean do you, do you do you have any doubts that he's going to be playing? Doesn't with
1: doesn't seem that way. I mean it's been a little overbearing the amount of updates and the weekly press conferences by Griffin and but everything you hear is great and you, I have concerns that he's hurt the knee twice now and wondering, you know, once that third one happens, hopefully it never does, you know, if this is a guy that by age 30 will be the same player. But I think he's at a stage now, he's still young that he's going to bounce back from this and he's going to be an elite player. You know, I think he's I know we've the discussion about Andrew Lucker Griffin. To me it's no, uh, no doubter at this point. I think Griffin
8: is, you know, the best exciting young player in the league and I mm. think he will be in the So league you One. disagree with the top Top ten quarterbacks, twenty-five and under list. I yes. thought that was bulletproof. I will.
1: I will, uh, I will pack up my uh, belongings when I get downstairs. <laughs> Griffin
8: was number two. I mean, it wasn't. Though.
9: I refuse to pick between the two of them. I think they're both the best two <laughs> quarterbacks to come in the league in in a decade or so, and and they're both going to be. As far as I'm concerned, first ballot Hall of Famers and two of the greatest quarterbacks in history.
1: And look at, I mean, I know this is kind of an old storyline, but I still can't get over, if I'm a Chiefs or a Jaguars fan, how close <laughs> I came to one of these dudes. Instead, I get, you know, a right tackle at this stage.
9: I can't get over the Rams deciding, being so confident that Sam Bradford was their man when they had a the chance to have a guy, not just to turn the franchise around, but to get the entire right. fan base excited I mean, a rare athlete is – I mean, he could become the most popular athlete
1: in America. I, yeah, he, uh, he's that type of uh, transcendent type uh, personality. I do, And I think it's a little funny, Les need every interview here with the Rams GM, he's doubling down. He thinks that he's really – you know, this is a decision that he made. And, of course, he has to talk like this, but, you know – yeah, they're, they've been stockpiling draft picks, and some of these guys have worked out, although there's a lot of you know high character you know risks with these guys. But it all comes down to Bradford now, and that's a lot to put in that guy's basket.
8: And everyone gives the Rams a lot of credit for the picks that they made, and it has worked. Uh, but I don't think necessarily this is a decision we'll look back at in a couple of years. This is something we're going to keep revisiting. I mean, if it, all it works out to be is that they become a good wildcard team and a good defense, but they never really take it further, I think they'll regret taking uh, – you know, uh, trading the pick and not taking Robert Griffin the third. My biggest story of the off season is basically the things we know. It's the injuries. Uh, it's Jason Pierre-Paul is the most important player on the New York Giants defense. He's got a back surgery. Rob Gronkowski is probably the second most important player on the entire Patriots team. He's a big concern. Ben Roethlisberger has another surgery. They say he'll be back. He's the most important player on the Steelers. Bruce Irvin is a very important piece of the Seahawks. He's not hurt, but he's going to miss the start of the season. So to me, those were the most impactful things that happened. really wasn't part of minicamp, but that's kind of my big takeaways. And those teams, I think, will all be hurting because of it.
1: All right. Well, that is is the discussion for today on the the ATL Debate Club. Uh, Wes, thank you for coming in. Wes Welker,
8: thank you for joining us. Mark, I hope you enjoyed the show out there listening. We've, we've uh, <laughs> officially replaced you, uh, and that's it. Uh, yeah, Mark will be back next week. But uh,
1: thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you they say every dog has its day
2: but when you're lulu and your parents drive a camry every day is your day the roomy rear seat is the perfect whoa is that the dog park backseat besties it's a camry vibe the all-new all-hybrid camry toyota let's go places you wouldn't expect to hear that we're america's third best city for beer like this one
6: or home to vibes like this and this